Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Off the Bench with Benny Jones and Scott Sadler for Kubota, shaping Australia. Drive time sale now on. Welcome to Off the Bench, right around Australia. Great to have your company. What a big couple of days it has been. In fact, scrap that. What a big week it has been. Easter, a lot of celebrations going on right around the country. Family and friends getting together. Plenty of great sport to sink our teeth into as well. And of course, on Thursday, some brilliant Anzac Day commemorations. Some two-up going on around the country. Good to see as well. And also plenty of very exciting and somewhat controversial sport. We're going to talk about as much of it as we can over the next hour or so for Kubota diesel generators for serious backup power. I'm not going to do all the talking. I'm going to also invite into the studio this man, former 2003 Premiership player with the Penrith Panthers, who've got a big, big game coming up. We're going to get his thoughts on that shortly. Scotty Sattler, welcome to you, Sats. Yeah, welcome, Benny, and also listeners. Um, what a great day of sport Anzac Day was, not only with Rugby League, but also the AFL, the, you know, the historical Essendon versus your team, the Collingwood Pies. Benny was just an amazing spectacle, yep. a game within itself as well. So passionate, 90,000 people. And then we saw the SCG, one of the, the historical grounds of Australian sport, host the, the Dragons up against um, the, the Roosters, and again, put on a a really good spectacle and then to travel down to Melbourne I think Amy Park do it better than most in or probably do they do it the best in rugby league I know that just the way that they mm. turn the lights out they make it very emotional and and uh, again a really tight game a tightly fought game that the uh, the Melbourne Storm finally got away with but did they deserve it is probably the the biggest question across the three games that took place on Thursday Anzac Day Sats I think there was a there was a bit of a theme and it felt like to me that the underdog in each of those three games so I obviously am referring to the Dragons the Warriors and if we look at the AFL the Bombers who certainly didn't go into that game as favorite Gee, they punched above their weight. And I guess that's all in line. And we don't like to make connections and correlations between the war and sport because they're they're so far apart, it's not funny. But I think it was a real indicative display of what Anzac spirit is all about, even though the odds might be stacked against you to fight hard. And and those three teams will obviously focus in on the NRL over the next few moments. Uh, Probably consider themselves a bit unlucky not to actually walk away with a win. Yeah, I love what the the day represents, and as you said, yeah, the underdogs were were uh, especially the New Zealand Warriors. Yeah, they lost four of their their best players or their, their key players, and probably one of the well, he's the best player in the competition at the moment. Roger Tuivasa-Shek, he's the reigning Dalian medalist, and along with a, a cast of um, many that missed that game, and and for them to nearly beat the Melbourne Storm, who who are in the the top three at the moment, yep. and um, and then for the Dragons who had a horrible start to the game and then to be able to show the resilience to fight back um, was, was something promising for their coach, Paul McGregor. And uh, But off the field, Benny, what the day represents. I turned up at the SCG yesterday mm. and the streets around the Moore Park precinct was just a buzz. It was humming. There was Roosters and Moore St. George Illawarra Dragons jerseys, uh, but they were littered everywhere across the streets of yeah. Moore Park and the Moore Park Precinct. And I was sitting down having a coffee before the game, just before the I went into the stadium, 
and this is how important the day represents uh, families and, and what we're trying to celebrate and, and remember is that I heard a father say to his two kids, guys, have a great day today because this is the only game we get to go to. And so that's obviously um, obviously a sign of a family that probably can't afford mm. season memberships, can't afford to go to every game, but they look for one game throughout the season yep. that they want to take their family to, and it's the Anzac Day Clash. So it means so much more than the, the actual on-field uh, performances and so much more about the fans and and um, and what we remember the day for. So, yeah, it was an amazing day. Well, we'll drill down into uh, that game at the SCG. You were there calling it uh, with NRL Nation a little later, Sats. And, of course, get your thoughts, because I know you would have been scooting off straight after the uh, the final whistle in that one to check out the Storm and the Warriors, an absolute nail-biter there at Amy Park. But just a little bit of news through the week. And, in fact, I'll just stay on Anzac Day briefly. I, I know this is a... This is a roundabout conversation that probably happens every 12 months on the eve of Anzac Day, and we had some mixed feedback on our regular show through the week. Um, well, we, we basically split it into a two-parter, didn't we, Sats? We said, look, should it be the four teams currently involved, Roosters, Dragons, Storm, Warriors, that should have the ultimate rights to play on that day, or should other clubs get a look in? And then we, I guess, open it up even further to should there be any sport played at all on Anzac Day and I don't think I was overly shocked or surprised to see that we, we got a little bit of a 50-50 split on that. What's what's your take on it, starting with the, the four clubs involved? Do you think they've earned the right to maintain the ownership of that day? You know what, I've tossed and turned over this one, my my decisions, Benny. At first I thought, you know, Townsville have got a very strong armed yeah. forces contingent and, and population, uh, so do they deserve a game? Um, Canberra also, be another one? Canberra as well, the War, the War yep. Memorial. Uh, that makes sense. The War Memorial makes sense. But you know what? I, I love, I love what this game represents for the four clubs that have hosted it, especially the Dragons and the Roosters. Um, I, I don't want to see it change for some mm. reason. I don't want to see it change. I could probably see even at Amy Park do it better than anyone else in rugby league. I, I probably tend to think that the Warriors need to be involved, definitely need to be involved yep. in Anzac Day Clash, whether it's Melbourne or whether it is actually Canberra. Does that make more sense? Canberra with the War Memorial and, and New Zealand who, um, with the Anzac Forces, the New Zealanders and the Australians fought alongside each other through so many battles. So mm. um, I, I know that New Zealand need to be involved. Whether it needs to be Canberra would be the would be the decision. Um, but And the second question I know you're going to ask me is, should sport be played? Because we did have some callers come through during yep. the week, didn't we, Benny, that yeah. said, I can't believe that sport is played on a day like this where it's about reflection and and uh, and thank uh, thanks to those that have you know, given us the life that we've got. But, um, you know, we just know that we it gives the ability also to not only celebrate the diggers and the current men and women that are serving in and around Australia and overseas, but also there's been a lot of... There's been a lot of sports people that have, you know, rugby league players, AFL players that have actually served in the armed forces as well. And so yeah. we need to have an opportunity to to also celebrate them as well. And I know one of the questions from one of our callers, Benny, is why are we, why are we using this day, this very special day, as a form of revenue uh, for clubs and, and the game itself? And I suppose the easy answer to that is, well, there's not a problem unless unless a large proceed or even all of the proceeds are going towards the RSL. So I'd like to think that yeah. a, a majority of the proceeds are going to the RSL. It's time for the Friday Night NRL Preview. 
Yeah, and uh, well, it's a big night of footy. It's been a big uh, 24, 48 hours of footy. In fact, we're going to focus in here on the Panthers taking on the Rabbits at uh, Panther Stadium. We've just spoken extensively about some of the off-field things going on at Pantherland Sats, but uh, if we uh, focus in on the important issues, it's that they're 2-4, and four, they're in 12th spot, and a loss against the Rabbits tonight would be their third in a row. And all of a sudden, you, you, know, you mentioned, don't worry about top four. Top eight starts to become a bit of a stretch. So it's a big game for both clubs. But really, specifically, this is, this is a huge occasion for the Panthers. Yeah, it is. And when you say that top eight, Benny, and when I said the top eight, actually, when you're in the position the Penrith Panthers are, you don't worry about top eight. You worry about your very first involvement in the game, yeah. your very next game, because it needs to be a positive one. And then that's a, a stepping stone, a building block to possibly winning a game. But, yeah, it's a it's a big game for both teams because the Rabbits, without Greg Inglis, they need to keep proving to the rugby league landscape that they can win without him. Now, Brent Taylor at NRL Nation, he said last week with interest, and I said, you look at the team lineup now and you don't see Greg Inglis. And even though that he wasn't at his peak fitness... I said, it still just doesn't look like a premiership winning side without Greg Inglis in it. And he said, you know what the difference is? He said, when you're getting ready before the game and you're a young player and you look across the dressing shed and you see Greg Inglis putting his boots on, Hmm. you feel like you can put a Superman cape on. And that's the difference without having Greg Inglis there. So they've got to keep winning to convince people they are a premiership threat. So, yeah, they're sitting um, at the moment uh, at the top of the ladder with uh, a 5-1 record along with a couple of other teams as well. And um, they really haven't they haven't played that impressively yeah. overall South, other than the first couple of rounds. But um, the Panthers they're sitting twelfth at the moment. They're uh, one two, lost four from memory, Benny, and uh, have been really really poor over the last two weeks against the Titans and the Sharks. Of course, last week against the Sharks they were leading, and, and during the call on NRL Nation last week, I actually said when they they scored their final try, I said that's the icing on the cake. They won't get beaten from here. Hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, they've got, they got a lot of problems, the Penrith Panthers, at the moment. And uh, this may be the battle that they want. This may be yeah. the matchup that they need against a really physical forward pack because I've always questioned Penrith's uh, psychological toughness, their mentality about whether they like to get into arm wrestles and come through the other side as, as the victor. So this may be the game that they've, they've been waiting for. A couple of changes for the Panthers will go into those shortly. And, of course, the uh, Rabbits go in with the same 17 uh, that uh, defeated the Bulldogs in a in a gritty, pretty ugly affair last week. I just wonder, and again, this is all hypothetical, and we'll have to wait to see how it plays out tonight, Sats, but after those uh, recent capitulations, if you want to call them that, against the Titans and the Sharks, uh, if they do get the jump on the bunnies early, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens to the Panthers' mindset, whether they go into their shell a little bit, whether they'll continue to try and take on the game, be expansive, whether they'll really try and knuckle down defensively because it can become it can become a bit of a disease, I suppose, a bit of a habit <laughs> when you start getting your nose that far in front thinking, okay, we've done all the hard yards here, we should be able to cruise to the line. Well, the last two weeks have shown that you just can't do that in the NRL. No, you can't. You can't. And um, yeah, that's where it comes down to, you Nathan Clears and James Maloney. Yep. Like James Maloney... He's been in enough big games to know that if you're leading by 20 points to six, I think it was last week against yeah. the Sharks, how to close that game out. And, and you don't go into your shell. You, you have to keep playing as if you're going to score more points. And that's the mindset you've got to have. If you're leading by 14 with 10 minutes to go, by the time the full-time siren goes, you want to make sure you've won by 20 or 30. Yeah, that's the mindset of someone who's who's got their foot on the throat and is not going to let their, um, their opposition um, out. And... They haven't got that mentality yet where South have. 
South have got players, if they're behind, they know they can chase. They know what they've got to do to chase. And Adam Reynolds has, has been a big part of that. If they lead, they've also got the mentality through Cody Walker that we're going to win by 20 or 30 and we're not going to mm. let you off the hook here. So, um, yeah, they, they fire a shot over the bow and send a message to the opposition every time they try and play the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And they do that through Sam Burgess. Couple of matchups. Well. I know you've identified plenty of them out of this contest that have got you licking the lips at. Uh, run through a couple for us. Well, the front row, first and foremost, um, you've got Tom Burgess, George Burgess, the uh, terrible twins. They're up against James <laughs> Tamo and Tim Grant. Um, Tim Grant, who's played 200 games last week, and I thought he's one of Penrith's best. Both, both he and James Tamo, they need this They need this game up against the Burgess brothers, uh, the Burgess twins in the front row. If Penrith are going to win, they, just, they need to be so physical. And then the other one is um, the halves. I'm looking forward to Nathan Cleary, James Maloney, uh, up against Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds. Now, you've got... Four completely different players. Maloney, he's like a goldfish. He just forgets his last mistake and yep. he just he just plays every game as if it's his last. And Nathan Cleary still finding his way in relation to how to be that marquee number seven that can control the entire game. And uh, then you got Adam Reynolds, who is probably I think one of the best game controllers in the competition through his kicking game and his passing game. And then Cody Walker, who is a throwback to the seventies, who just um, plays like he's in the backyard. And he doesn't play to structure. And I love the way that Wayne Bennett has instructed him this year. He's just said, go out and play. Go out and enjoy yourself. Whatever you see, play to it. I'm not going to hold you responsible if you come up with a mistake because he does everything at breakneck speed. So I love those matchups. But the one I'm really looking forward to, Benny, is mm. Sam Burgess up against whoever he identifies. And this is what he does, mm. Sam Burgess. He identifies the player in the opposition each week who he believes could be the make-or-break player for their team. The opposition, and I think this week he identifies Viliami Kikau, the number 11 for the Penrith Panthers. And I think Sam Burgess will, he, what he does is he makes it personal, and he'll, he'll identify Kikau, and he'll try and get over the top of him physically and mentally, try and get inside his head and see whether this kid is willing to go toe to toe with him. All right, it's going to be a big game, Panthers Stadium. Panthers take on the Rabbits. A couple of changes, as we mentioned, with uh, Dean Vare out uh, injured. Caleb Aikens will play fullback, and Dallin Wateni Zalesniak shifting into the centre. So uh, a different look for the Panthers. Huge game for them as they take on the Bunnies. More off the bench to come after this break. Kubota diesel generators are powering Australia. And when we do return, we'll uh, take a look at two massive games on Anzac Day, one in Sydney, one in Melbourne couple of absolute beauties. You're listening to Off the Bench, Kubota, shaping Australia. Drive time sale now on. You're listening to Off the Bench, Kubota, shaping Australia. Drive time sale now on. It sure is. Welcome uh, back to Off the Bench. Benny Jones, Scotty Sattler here with you. Hope you're enjoying the program. Plenty still to come. Uh, if you've missed us off the top, uh, well, we spoke about some NRL news. Plenty of that getting about. We're going to get Sats to nominate a Makita Power player for us. In fact, I think he's got a couple up his sleeve. And also mm-hmm. get uh, his tips, your tips, Sats, for the remainder of the weekend's footy model. So find out what you're looking forward to this weekend as well. Hey, what I'm looking forward to is the next time I'm in Sydney is popping in to the Sydney Diesel Centre to catch up with Gary Carley and the crew. Uh, Gary stocking all of those wonderful Kubota diesel generators and Kubota products and huge supporters of our program. So to Gary and the gang there at Sydney Diesel Centre, uh, we say a big thank you and uh, a bit of a shout out here on Off The Bench. Hope the weekend is a good one for you all. Let's get into this, Sats, our Thursday night review. (laughs) 
Let's go with our Thursday night NRL review. Well, the weekend's going to be a good one for supporters of the Roosters and the Storm, but uh, it was a nerve-wracking Anzac Day when it came to these respective fixtures, and we're going to kick it off at the SCG. Scotty Sattler was there to call this one for NRL Nation, an absolute beauty. At times, it looked as though the Dragons might cause an early weekend boil over, but it was the Roosters who showed their class in the end. Here were some of the best moments. Kronk goes out the back to Manu. Oh, the hands from Manu were special. And Ikevalu had defenders in front of him, but he dropped the cold. He dropped the cold, yeah. Referee Cummins has got that one. Ball on the ground. Then he's offloaded. Then picked up. Six more is the signal from the referee. Latrell Mitchell has scored again. Latrell Mitchell has gone over for a try, and he celebrates by kicking the ball into the crowd. He's on fire, that young man. They're lined up to the right-hand side. They come that way. Crichton straight at the smaller man. He might have dropped that he's over and he's got it down. Corey Norman is not happy. He went straight at him and they are celebrating. Hunt will kick. Now he throws. Beautiful pass. That one is not forward. Goes to Zach Lomax and the Tamora Dragon gets the try. Oh, they're back. They're back, the Dragons. Yeah. Larry Daly called it. Duffy chips across field and then he found some space. Now he's free. One-on-one with Tedesco. Steps. Goes past him. Oh, Dufty turned him inside out. Cronk again. Try. What a brilliant rugby league try for Matthew Dufty. Absolutely superb. Torquiaho's there. He's going to do some footwork. Get away from Graham. And he'll score under the post. Oh, dear. What a finish. Dufty goes down on one knee. The game is gone. The Roosters have won it. And play will be called to a halt at the completion of this tackle on... You and Aiken, and they collapse to the field in exhaustion. So it was a game that really had it all sats, and I suppose if we're looking in isolation at Matty Dufty, he was a player who provided it all, the good, the bad, the in-between, and unfortunately it was pretty uh, pretty tough to see in post-game, basically in tears after an error uh, towards the, the conclusion of the game that led to a Roosters try, but uh, a really good contest between two pretty impressive sides. Yeah, really good game. High quality, Benny. Um, where did they lose it? The Dragons? Well, they lost it in the first 10 minutes when the Roosters come out of the blocks and just blew them off the park. Um, Latrell Mitchell scored after a couple of minutes, got another one disallowed as well. And they really probably should have been leading about 24 points to nil at half time, even probably more, 30 points to nil the Roosters. But the Dragons wouldn't go away. I think they had 70% possession in the first half and still only be leading by two tries and a, and a penalty kick. I reckon... Paul McGregor would have gone into the sheds and felt to himself, you know what, if we can get a try early on, we're back in this game. And that's exactly what they did. So it was a tremendous game. And you talk about Matty Dufty. Um, yeah. He was one of the best players on the field yesterday. He was involved in everything. Um, he had a beautiful one-on-one chase with James Tedesco when he broke through and and would have overtaken James Tedesco if it was a 100-metre race and then turned around and was able to make a really good try-saving tackle. Uh, he scored one of the the best individual tries you'll see yeah. in a long time. I think at the end of the year we'll be talking about this as one of the tries of the season. Um, and he's just involved in everything. He, he offered questions, but he also came up with a really crucial error with about four minutes to go when they were behind 14 points to 10, just to bring a ball back from uh, his own 20-metre uh, line. And Jake Friend came up with a beautiful copybook tackle right underneath the ball, knocked the ball free, and CSO uh, Torquayaho scored a try rod and well about three minutes out from full time to to really lock the game up yeah he was inconsolable and watching Tarek Sims after the game consoling mm. uh, it was hard to watch but 
you know, Matty Dufty, if if he wasn't on that field yesterday, the the Dragons get beaten quite convincingly. Yeah, they were brave, no doubt about it. But again, uh, all spoils go to the victor. The Roosters just keep finding a way, don't they? Week in, week out, that's the sign of a of a really, really good footy club. And as Paul McGregor once again described them post-game, the best club in the world. Uh, Jake Friend, you mentioned him just a moment or two ago there, Sats. Talk about bravery uh, to come back onto the field. Now, is it believed he's a torn bicep? He was part of that match-winning play, yeah. He was amazing. Jake Friend, he had a 40-20 out of dummy half on tackle three in the first half. They scored the very next set of six. He delivered the pass from dummy half to Angus Croydon for a, for a, a try, uh, their second try. Um, and then he came up with about 50 tackles in 60 minutes of play, yeah. and then came up with the match-winning play, well, the, the, the match-sealing play to um, to really put the game beyond doubt for the Roosters. And it was just, just a kick chase, uh, and we didn't know this at the time. Yeah, he's torn a bicep, and mm-hmm. you can tear biceps in two areas, Benny, hence the word bi, but, yeah. um, but he, there's down near the elbow where the bicep attaches, and what happens is basically the bicep folds all all the way up to your shoulder mm. and just yeah it's just one big hole yep. and then you can tear it from up near the shoulder and there's a hole up where the shoulder and the bicep connects and if you tear it up high you can actually keep playing and you don't need any surgery if you tear it down low and yeah. rupture it down low you need surgery straight away and you need it within 48 hours and it looks as though that he's done that and it could be out for anywhere up to two to three months which wow. is unfortunate for nrl nation last night he got our uh, crt player of the year he got uh, one point and um nearly very very nearly won the man of the match, but James Tedesco was so heavily involved. But but the way Jake Friend played last night after being back after three weeks, I think it was, mm. um, he had basically, he'd, he'd signed that Queensland jersey over, a jersey over to himself last night. Yeah. But Kevin Walters would be waking up this morning going, what do we do now? Ben, ben Hunt had a really good game, but then he came up with a crucial drop ball when they had all the ascendancy, the Dragons. And again, it's those key moments that, Ben, ben Hunt can't seem to nail. So mm. um, from a Queensland origin point of view, Kevin Walters would be scratching his head this morning. Yep. Uh, from a Roosters point of view, again, as you said, Benny, the really good teams, they just find a way to win. Speaking of coaches, um, interesting uh, regarding Trent Robinson. We spoke about something uh, in a different code through the week, Sats. I was explaining to you the uh, trouble that Essendon found themselves in last weekend when they brought Joe Danaher in from outside the 26-man selected squad, so you have your 22 and your four emergencies, on match day, they decided to bring Joe in. They copped a $20,000 fine for doing that. Um, this isn't to that extreme, of course, but throughout the week, there'd been a lot of discussion about uh, Latrell Mitchell, a new role for him, uh, mm-hmm. moving into to 5-8. And then Lockie Lamb was not expected to make his starting debut roll up for the kickoff, and there he is, out there on the park. Yeah, yeah, there's no issue with that, is it? He doesn't have to play all his cards, does he, Trent Robinson? No, no, well, the new rule coming into this year is you name uh, you name 20 to 21 players yeah. on Tuesday, then you're 24 hours out, you, you whittle that back to 19, and then an hour before kickoff, that's when you can finalise your 17. So Lockie Lem was always named in those yeah. initial players. And then he took the field last night at 5-8. Latrell Mitchell moved back out into the centre. So there's mm. no problems at all what the Roosters did. Didn't have a happy game, Lockie Lamb. Um, Cooper Cronk at half-time, actually. I was looking at some image, images on the big screen as they were walking off at half-time. And Cooper Cronk was very vocal, very an- animated towards Lockie Lamb, just giving him some instructions and probably just not playing his role the way that he needed to. In in the second half, he tried to overplay his hand too much. But from a replacement point of view, player-wise, 
They didn't do anything wrong. Latrell Mitchell, actually, it's funnily enough, he scored in his first touch, mm. Latrell Mitchell, and then for the remainder of the game, they actually went away from him in the Roosters and played to their opposite side when you've got the most destructive ball runner in the competition on one side of the field. It's basically catching a cold. It was... Latrell Mitchell's one of those players, I think if you leave him out of the game too long, he just, you look into the grandstands and look at what else is going on and yeah. just play his way out of the game. Um, so I thought the Roosters last night, I thought they um, they didn't play to their strength. Uh, let's move to Amy Park. Sats, uh, Storm and the Warriors. Now, all the talk going into this game was who the Warriors were missing and how far the Storm would win by. And it was pretty evident, even within the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, that that was going to be as far from the case as imaginable. They were fantastic from the get-go, the Warriors. And you could just tell the Storm were, were a touch off their game. Um, and that's not to uh, suggest that... Um, that wasn't because of the Warriors' amazing pressure. They were fantastic. No Roger Tuivasa-Shek, as you mentioned, off the top of the show. No Blake Green. So they're two best players not out no there. Solomon Akata. There's, There's another one. Up. Throw that into the mix. Uh, they led for long periods of this game and, and are very unlucky, probably not to go back over the ditch without a, a W next to their name. Yeah, exactly right. Just so courageous they were. And it's funnily enough, last year they got beaten by 50, the, the Warriors. But every other year, most years, it's been a really good contest, this one. And... What what I put it down to with Melbourne? Are we are we looking at the Warriors playing really well, or was there just something happening with um, with Melbourne last night? And to be quite honest, I think both the Roosters and Melbourne were probably um, suffered a little bit last night yeah. in the games. So I think they were emotionally exhausted from that amazing contest they had last Friday night, which obviously ended up in Golden Point, twenty one twenty. Both teams are the I hate using that word benchmark, but I will because I can't think of another one at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah. but are the benchmarks of the competition and um, pillars, the pillars of the competition. There you go, Benjamin. Um, and to play against each other and play such an amazing uh, contest last week, um, it does take a lot out of you emotionally. It's it's really hard to get back up, and I think that's what happened with Melbourne and the Roosters. So, I, I thought Melbourne they got the rub of the green last night. There was a there was a penalty when they were down 12-10 right in front of the goalpost, about 30 metres out. Uh, a really bad play the ball uh, by the Melbourne Ford, and um, a penalty was given. And replays show that it was really just a messy play the ball by the mm. uh, by the Melbourne player. And yeah, they got the opportunity to keep the goal. Cameron Munster to keep the goal because Cam Smith was battling with a groin injury and um, end up kicking the field goal through Brody Croft. It was a field goal that ricocheted off the left upright and end up going in everyone yeah. thought it was going to miss and then they were able to to hold on they just closed the game out so heartbreaking for the Warriors I mean Stephen Kearney would have said to his team last night how proud of them he was mm. to be able to stay in the contest for as long as they did and for the young players to a couple of players that have only played a handful of first grade games it's a it was a really good effort to go down to enemy territory especially somewhere like Melbourne and, and yep. nearly take the points two terrific contests two amazing crowds and a wonderful commemoration of Anzac Day and the NRL should be congratulated for the way uh, that they executed all of that uh, just before we head to the break up next Sats is going to nominate his Makita Power Player or Players of the Week. Uh, let's hear some of the highlights from that Storm Warriors thriller with the NRL Nation call team there at Amy Park. The best moments. Here they were. They go to Blair on the last short ball. Going straight through. Some feeble Melbourne defence. And scoring the try is Adam Blair, who will like that one against his former club. He's been in the news this week as Adam Blair. They've been putting plenty of pressure on him. And he scores the first try of the night. Munster. High kick. And O'Carr out after a bats it right back in field. And Cameron Munster is there to take it. 
That was magnificent. That is one of the longest bats of the football you will ever see. It was like a high forehand smash in tennis, and Munster has grabbed it and scored. Bromwich, now centre field. Cameron Smith puts a little kick in. Jerome Hughes coming out after it. Gets a perfect bounce. Gets away from Pia Hinku. Calls his way to the line and will score a try. We're all locked up. Great vision, Cameron Smith. Terrific work. Jerome Hughes, and it's eight all. Burt, two metres away from the line. Can they hit straight back here, the Warriors? Out wide they go. They got some numbers. Harris Tavita, now Peter Hiku. And out wide they go to Mamolo. And he couldn't believe how much space and time he had. And Ken Mamolo will score. What a great hit back that is for the Warriors. They reclaim the lead. We've got a thriller on our hands at Amy Park. Here is Cameron Munster. 20 metres away, right in front. The trusty left boot of Cameron Munster. And he guides it straight between the posts. We're all locked up with four minutes and two seconds left. The clock will stop now at exactly four minutes left. Nelson Mustafa Solomona goes short to Dale Finucane. And he's tackled 30 away. Brody, Brody Croft, Croft wants it. Brody Croft is calling for the ball. He gets it. He takes the shot at field goal. And he's got it off the post. It's in. Brody Croft has put the Melbourne Storm in front, a 38 metre field goal. They're up 13 points to 12, and we've got two minutes and 52 seconds left here at Amy Park. Nine away from the line, but more importantly, the clock and now the scoreboard on the side of the Melbourne Storm as it's the last, and Bromwich will play it. Two metres away from the line, four seconds, three, two, one. Cameron Smith succumbs to the tackle. The Melbourne Storm will win a thriller on Anzac Day. 13 points to 12. Take a bow, the Warriors. They came agonisingly close to winning this one. You're listening to Off the Bench. Kubota, shaping Australia. Drive time sale now on. Time to nominate our Makita Power Player for Makita's cordless power garden range, the landscaper's choice. Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, the power garden range, it is the world's largest range, over 200 tools on the one battery. Uh, you've come to the table with a late one, Sats, and uh, I, I must say this person that you've uh, chucked in as your Makita Power Player of the Week caught me by surprise because generally we're... Uh, we're focusing in on the negative aspects of uh, of his well, his choices on the tennis court. But I'll uh, let you he reveal does this all the time. Buddy. Yeah, that's right. So um, why don't you start with this particular individual? Well, first and foremost, I'm going to say the Anzacs. They're the power players. Uh, oh, of course. Cu- yep. Current serving and also um, the ones that have come before us as well. Uh, but Nick Kyrgios. Mm. Now he does this to us all the time. Just when we feel as though that we want him to go away and never grace our TV screens in the sport again and get on with his life, whatever he wants to do. He goes and does something that um, that is gratitude towards others. And um, and what I'm talking about is it's come up on Twitter this morning. Uh, he's driving down uh, through Canberra, through the main street of Canberra. There's a, a young family on the side of the road. His car had broken down and obviously waiting for some sort of assistance. Nick Kyrgios pulls over pushes the car down the main street of Canberra so it got to a safer hmm. uh, yeah. safer place for the car 
they got a photo with him saying, hey, listen, yeah, he didn't have to do this, but he did. This is fantastic. Nick Kyrgios has tweeted back saying, hey, listen, I don't want to be recognised for this. This should be something we should all be doing yep. uh, each and every day. So great work by Nick Kyrgios. Uh, fantastic work. Um, and again, like we don't want to keep focusing on the negatives and we want mm. to hope that he... Everything that he does is um, is positive towards himself and the sport that he plays. Well, you talk about focusing on negatives, and unfortunately, the wash-up from the Anzac Day AFL clash uh, that took place at the MCG on Thursday, Sats, that seems to be the case. Now, uh, this one stems around, and you're going to nominate someone in as a Makita Power player for the way they've handled this incident, but it stems from a moment post-game uh, when Scott Pendlebury, the Collingwood captain, was awarded the Anzac Day medal. That's a third of his career. He joins James Hurd as the only two players to have won three Anzac Day medals. I'll play a little bit of audio, uh, and then you can explain as to why you are nominating this particular individual. This is what took place uh, at uh, the MCG on Thursday. Uh, just on behalf of both sides, I want to thank the crowd. Um Shame on anyone, the Buddha champion. Just like to acknowledge the fact that we uh, are blessed to have an opportunity to play on this day to represent the AFL. So that was the voice uh, of Scott Pendlebury off the top. The boos of about 40,000 Essendon fans uh, in between. I love the Collingwood fans trying to, trying trying to, to drown them out. out the yep. <laughs> and then, of course, it was Collingwood coach Nathan Buckley at the end. And I believe that's who you might be nominating here, Sats. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was class, the way that he handled the situation. Uh, Benny, there have been many in some circles that have been saying the booing was a stemming on from the officials and the referee, yeah. the officials of the umpires in the in the AFL and the way they handled the game. But it was quite obvious that was towards Scott ben- Pendlebury, the, the skipper of the of the Collingwood side. And then Nathan Buckley, you know, one, to be able to address it straight away, but then to be able to remind everyone what the occasion was really for, yep. the Anzac Day clash. And I think straight away all the Essendon fans realised that, hey, you know, this guy, he's probably brought us back to reality. Mm. And, and everyone acknowledged that as well. So well done, Nathan Buckley. He was tough as a player. And he's uh, he seems to be even even tougher men- from a mentality point of view as a coach. This incessant booing of, of players, and I just think it's lazy. I think it's pointless. It's a bit pathetic to be honest but I understand that people yeah. pay their money they, they go in they're allowed to express their emotions so I think we just waste a lot of oxygen on it and unfortunately at the back end of a game which was decided by four points some brave efforts some really gutsy footy played by both sides this is the, the big talking point out of it and that's yeah, to me what is the most disappointing yeah, it's aspect. a shame it's yep. a shame Makita's, he handled it well Buckley he did very well so yeah. there you go Nathan Buckley Nick Kyrgios couple of power players out of the week of sport. Makita's Cordless Power Garden Tools power through the toughest of jobs. Makita, when power means business. Quick break. When we return, Sats will finish us off with his tips for the remainder of the weekend and also what he's looking forward to over the next 48 hours. Let's see who the lads like this weekend. It's Badge and Sats NRL Tips. Yeah, welcome back. Four Kubota diesel generators providing reliable, constant backup power you need when you need it most. He's uh, he staged somewhat of a comeback, uh, our man Gary Belcher in the tipping. I've just removed myself completely from this competition, Sats, because I clearly should just focus on the AFL, not the NRL. But uh, your tips for the remainder of round five, that is what we're interested in right now. And we're going to start with a game that, what's well, mouth-watering for a couple of reasons. Tamworth, the venue, Scully Park... So great to mm-hmm. see some more regional footy. The Tigers, after the embarrassment of Monday at Bankwest Stadium, take on a Titan side who all of a sudden, 
got a little bit of swagger about them, the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah, they have, uh, going for three in a row. But uh, Ryan James, their skipper, missing for the rest yeah. of the season with uh, an ACL, a knee injury, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, you know what, Benny? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm over-tipping at the moment because... <laughs> <laughs> seems as though that that you can never no one can p- never pick anything because um, there's just so many upsets. Whoever thought the Parramatta Eels would beat the Tigers by 50 last yeah, week? You never yeah. see that in rugby league anymore. But um, I just think the way that I know Michael Maguire, I just know how embarrassing it is as a player mm. when you're beaten by uh, a score of that capacity. Um, usually you fire back with something pretty special. So I'm thinking that the Tigers will beat the Titans in Tamworth. Okay. All right. We move to the Broncos and the Sharks. This too. I mean, they're all big games, but uh, for the Brisbane Broncos, a, a side under siege. This at Suncorp Stadium. You'd hope the fans will be there in big number. You'll hope the fans will be there in loud voice. But is it going to be enough to, to spark this lethargic Broncos side out of their slumber? Well, it's going to be interesting to see whether young 18-year-old Tom Dearden that was in um, that was named in the extended bench yep. uh, throughout the week, whether he makes his NRL debut against the Sharks. Um, there's something telling me that the Broncos... Uh, unfortunately, this is what I keep doing with the Broncos when they play at Suncorp. I think they're going to bounce back and give us a performance like they did against the Cowboys in round two. Mm. Um, but I, I just can't see it. Uh, based on the team they've got at the moment, I'm going to say the Sharks okay. may win this in a really tough one and a real close one as well. All right, two games Sunday to uh, wind up what has been an extended weekend of footy. Seagulls Raiders at Lotto Land. They're going beautifully. Uh, Badgers Green Machine. Seagulls can they um, can they stop their run? Well, I think they can only because it's, if it's at Lotto Land. Because if it was any other oval, I'd say the Raiders would have too much. But I don't know. It's it's something about Canberra and playing at Lotto Land. Um, they either win and they only win by a whisker or they get beaten because it's just one of those grounds that everyone hates to play at. You go in with a mindset, and because of all, it actually could work in Manly's favour. Mm. If you win pretty much all your home games and you can win a couple of away games throughout the year, you play finals footy. That's in both codes. And with all the media publicity and all the scrutiny around the lot of land and the surface at the moment, opposition teams going there, they go there thinking they may get a knee injury or they may get a substantial injury, which... If you've got the ability to take 10 or 20% off an individual and a team going into a game, well, then you come over the top of them. And I think yep. this is why the Seagulls will beat the Raiders. One, the Raiders don't like playing there. They never have. And two, I just think the Seagull, Seagulls side under Desi are, are surprising a lot of people. All right. And to wind up uh, the weekend, round seven in the NRL, Knights, Eels, McDonald Jones Stadium. Uh, speaking of sides under pressure, uh, that's Newcastle. They're certainly in that category. Yeah, they've been very disappointing. Last week, they... They had a good second half, or second half to the second half against the Titans, but their first half was absolutely dismal. But um, this Eels side, they're, mm. I want to—they're drinking from the Kool-Aid at the moment, and they're all on board, and everyone's uh, everyone's enjoying the way and the style of rugby league they're playing as well. They missed Blake Ferguson last week; he may play this week. Uh, if he does, I think the Eels will beat the Knights up at wow. the night home ground. All right, there you go. Before you sign off, Sats, for uh, your evening's work, what uh, what are you looking forward to in isolation this weekend? Um, I'm not quite sure, to be honest, because like I said, I'm over my tipping, even though <laughs> I'm leading, I just can't seem to, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look into it too much, Benny. I'm trying yeah. to look into the statistics too much rather than going with my gut. Mm. Um, but I am looking forward to, funnily enough, I think it's the same thing you're going to be looking out for as well. I'm actually, yep. I'm going to 
travel to the Gold Coast and um, oh. and go and watch the Q Clash between oh, the Gold bit Coast of AFL and for the Brisbane Lions. Yeah. Bit of culture. I've been a, I'm a Sydney Swans fan because yep. I used to love Spider and and Barry Hall and Plugger. Yeah. Um, but I've always had this this uh, real soft spot for the Brisbane Lions as well. Just um, around the same time that they were winning those those three premierships, playing in four grand finals, I got to got to know a few of the players, Simon Black and Luke Power, just to name a few. And yeah, always always watch them with great interest. And I like what Chris Fagan, their coach, is doing with them. So I'm, I'm going to look forward to that that clash, actually. So would it be fair to assume, Scott Sattler, man of the people, you'll be sitting out amongst the masses, so sort of row 16, out out in one you'll, of the general, me, general admission stands? You may see me behind one of the goalposts. <laughs> and I'll... Who's the guy... Who's the Collingwood fan that's wearing the jacket? Joffa. 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 So I may be... I don't know. I may be the Jaffa. I'm no, not quite sure. I reckon we'll see you behind a nice glass window in a corporate box drinking no. the most expensive champagne. You've got me around. wrong, Ben. You've got me wrong. <laughs> well, mate, I'll be there, but I'll be working. So you can have all the fun on my behalf. But, yeah, it should be an interesting one, both sides three and two. And, yeah, big Q clash. I wouldn't have thought we'd be saying that uh, coming into this season with the expected struggles of the Gold Coast Suns. But, anyway, huge weekend of sport awaits us. This has been Off the Bench for Kubota. Uh, Sats, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the corporate stylings at Metricon Stadium. <laughs> I'm sure you'll love it. And uh, I'll speak to you same time next week. No worries. See you, Benny.